Chapter 3 I pulled the black ribbon from around the address book and opened it with Carlotta looking over my shoulder. The cover was real leather, the pages thick vellum. Each gilt-edged page had a number of letters, written in some kind of code, followed by a series of ten numbers. It couldn't have been phone numbers, could it? Each number was at least double or triple digits. At the bottom of every page was a number of symbols I couldn't figure out. Stars, circles, some squiggly lines, small, thick, black checkmark. A few pages had stars drawn in the upper outside corners, and some others had large black X's all the way through them. Do you have any idea what this is? No idea. Mind if I take it home and look it over? Maybe I can figure out some of these codes. Sure. Carlotta turned to see a crime scene cleaner, a gangly older man missing some teeth and wearing a disposable white clean-up suit. He was unzipped about halfway, revealing his jeans waistband and a cavalier's sweatshirt. He had blue surgical shoe covers over his work boots. They were smeared with blood. Did you want us to clean up this room, ma'am? I don't know how these guys did their jobs. It was tricky work, requiring a knowledge of disinfectants, biohazards, an ironclad stomach, and, many times, big shoulders for family members to cry on. The crews came in as essentially second responders, cleaning up the mess of someone's death, either at their own hands or others. Or even worse, dealing with the family as they found out Grandpa died in his sleep sometime after they left a couple days ago. Sometimes the job was even trickier. Meth labs could be explosive, and animal hoarding cases were just plain pitiful. Tears crested in her eyes. Yes, please. Let's go get that cup of espresso and look this over. I waved the journal at her. Let them do their job. She sighed and nodded. It's probably a good idea. I shoved the jewelry back inside the safe and closed the door. You have the combination, right? We all do. It did. Good. No sense closing it if you can't get it open again. I spun the dial. How about Puccini's? We'll be back in about an hour. What we need to do in there probably won't take that long, the gangly man said. We'll lock up before we leave. My mind churned as we walked toward my Black Ford excursion. So how does a social worker like your sister afford all this travel? I opened the car door for her. All that fancy furniture and stuff. First of all, she didn't have kids or a husband. Carlotta smiled as she stepped into the car. This is true. I knew Carlotta was married to a guy named Joe Pecorini, and I lived outside of Youngstown where they had a couple kids. Anna Maria told me it wasn't the happiest of marriages, but they made it work. Joe apparently traveled a lot in his job, and Carlotta struggled to take care of their four children, one of whom had cerebral palsy. Carlotta fastened her seatbelt. Anna Maria had some kind of part-time job, I, I don't know what, but she'd been doing it for years. Really? Where? I don't know exactly. It's something she doesn't do from the house, I know, but it's on an appointment basis. Tupperware? She shook her head. No, I don't think so. God knows she would have pushed us all into hosting parties for her and her cabinets would be stuffed full. She wasn't like giving stock tips or financial advice that could have lost money. I started the engine and we pulled into the street. If she wasn't properly credentialed, that stuff could have gotten her a fraud charge, in addition to a client who's broke and pissed off. In a moment, we were pulling in front of the coffee shop. Puccini's was close, 
in a new Tivoli institution. I'd worked there as a teen and devoured their paninis and pastries when working their overnight shift as a cop. Carlotta shook her head again. I have no idea what it was. She was good with her money, though. That's obvious. What do you think the key goes to? I parked the car in front of Puccini's and jumped from the excursion to hold Carlotta's door open again. I'm not sure. She had a number of rental properties, a couple of houses, even some commercial stuff that she owned. Maybe one of those. We walked up the broken concrete steps beneath the red and white awning that had been there since anyone could remember and went into the shop. On this Saturday, it was filled with a mixture of young families and old steel mill retirees. College students worked behind the counter, bringing the old brass espresso machine to life, one foaming cup at a time. Ordering espresso shut down the conversation for a few minutes. We each took our tiny white cups from the kid behind the counter and found a seat in one of the booths, which were upholstered in red and white plastic, just like the awning. You know where these properties are located? She shook her head again as she took a sip. I know a couple of houses are down on Milan Avenue. She's got long-term renters in them. I have no idea where the commercial properties are. I can find that on the county website. You don't think the part-time job was tied to these properties? I was never a landlord, but some of my pals who've bought properties with their pensions and stuff sure do a lot of bitching about it. She laughed. I have no idea. She never fussed about any tenants. I do know she was a little rattled by the threats she was getting, though. I'd heard about the threats. What did she tell you about them? They were mostly nasty phone calls, late at night. The number was blocked, too. Why would she answer a damn blocked number? You know why, Fitz. Sometimes it was her office, with some kid that had to be placed in foster care in the middle of the night. Sometimes it was the police. They always called from a blocked number. Yeah, that's true. She had to pick up those calls. If she ignored them, it could be tragic. Why would she call me to find out who was threatening her if it was a kid? Why wouldn't she call the police? She had a soft spot for some of those kids. She'd do anything to keep them out of trouble, if she could, even when they were violent. She kept them around even when they hit her. I'd seen bruises on her more than once. Maybe she was trying to circumvent the system. You think that kid, the one that could be threatening her, would kill her? Her eyes got teary again. I told that detective, Joe Barnes, that I wasn't sure, but you never know. Barnes hauled me in this morning and asked me if I did it. Oh, of course you didn't, Fitz. How silly. She was shot with a forty-five caliber, just like I carry. Carlotta got quiet. What is it? What aren't you telling me? I think my sister had secrets, Fitz. I think she might have been doing something she shouldn't have. Something illegal? Immoral? Her eyes widened. We were raised Catholic just like you were, Fitz. Your sister and I were in the same confirmation class at St. Rita's for Pete's sake. You remember how the neighborhood was when we were kids, don't you? I nodded. Their father, Nunzio Ippolito, emigrated from Italy after the war to work in the steel mills that used to drive Fawcettville's economic engines. Their mother, Lucy, was a local Fawcettville girl who married Nunzio and stayed home to raise their four children. We'd all lived through the tough times when the steel mills closed, the jobs dried up, and F-Town went on protracted life support until fracking came and brought all the mixed boomtown blessings of money, crime, and more money. And jobs. Yeah, I remember. It's like everything changed. All over the world, not just Fawcettville. And Anna Maria, she changed too. In a good way or a bad way? I don't know, Fitz. When our parents died, we each came into some money. 
My husband and I bought a house. So did Vivian and her husband. Well, now her ex-husband. Because she'd already bought her house, Anna Maria started buying rental properties. The three of us went to Europe for the first time, and then when we came back, she's just... She changed. Changed how? I don't know. It was like she saw the world beyond Fawcettville for the first time and realized how limited her life was. You think so? Most folks who travel extensively love the experience, but like coming home. I thought of the trips Gracie made each year with the College Music Club. Vienna, Salzburg, places like that. The few times I went, I didn't want to babysit a bunch of young adults, but it was still a great trip. Anna Maria didn't say that so much, but you could tell. She started complaining about how she couldn't deal with the small town thinking anymore. The pettiness and stupidity. I can understand that. Years after I'd been caught with the former police chief's wife, Maris Monroe, the story wouldn't die, along with my reputation as a Lothario. Vivian and I asked once if she was lonely without a family, but she laughed out loud at that. We started going on more and more trips, some of them longer, some of them shorter. Anna Maria paid for a lot of it, especially if one of us had a big bill, like when Vivian had to pay Sophie's tuition at her private high school. You and your sister paid your share then? We would, but if we did something like a cruise and Anna Maria wanted to go on a shore excursion that we couldn't afford, she'd pay for it. Hmm. What would a social worker be doing on the side to make the kind of money she pulled in? The expensive furniture, the generous extensive trips, the collection of fancy porcelain. All the single social workers I knew who worked second jobs did so to pay for smaller joys in life, like the youth football uniforms and school fees for their kids. Clearly there was a side to Anna Maria her family had no knowledge of. I pulled the black notebook out of my jacket pocket and flipped through the pages. What do you think that is? Carlotta asked, leaning across the table. I have no idea. I'll need to take it home and look it over. Do you think she could have been involved in something illegal? Like what? What if that's like a client list and some kind of code? Are you saying you think she might be involved in prostitution? Come on, Carlotta. I've known you and your family for years. Anna Maria wouldn't do that. I didn't want to tell her how far my relationship with her sister hadn't gone. But then again, if she moonlighted as a hooker, that didn't mean she was going to give it away in her personal life. Most of the hookers I knew from being a cop weren't classy call girl types. They were sad, addicted women down on their luck. I couldn't see Anna Maria being addicted to anything outside of her passport. You've got to find out what those letters mean, Fitz. What they stand for, before the police do. Carlotta, I can't. We need to take this journal to the police and hand it over to them. Let them figure it out. No, please, I, I can't let my sister's memory be tarnished, even if she's done something illegal. I was silent for a moment. If I found something Barnes hadn't, it wouldn't be obstruction if we turned it over to him. If anything would be aiding the investigation, and besides, if there was anything on her computer, they'd find it. Someone as smart as Anna Maria probably wouldn't keep anything illegal on a desktop computer. But then again, I wasn't sure if they had her computer at all. Maybe her killer had it. Barnes would be all over her finances and her life either way. If I got in the way, I could lose my license. Okay, here's the deal. You may not like what I find, but if I find anything of significance, regardless of what it is, I have to turn it over to the police. One thing I want you to keep under your hat for now. Until I figure this out, don't mention to anyone, not family, not friends, nobody, that we found this journal. She reached across the table and took my hand. I promise, Fitz. Anything you can do to help find out who killed her.
If you really wanted to find the killer, I thought, you wouldn't be talking to me. You'd be talking to the police. Back home, I microwaved a hot dog and pulled a beer from the fridge before sequestering myself in my upstairs office. After Gracie's death, I couldn't open the door of the room where she practiced her cello and graded papers for more than a year. I worked in the guest room. It took a little bit for me to open that door and settle into the desk where she'd worked. Her cello still leaned against the chair in the corner. More than a painful reminder, it had become a comfort to me. I turned on the computer and began to search for properties Anna Maria owned. The county website confirmed what Carlotta told me. There were three rental houses on Milan Avenue and one commercial building. One was a small Tubman Gardens storefront on a side street. The other a single-story concrete office building tucked back in an industrial area at the east edge of town. I wrote down the addresses. Tomorrow I'd start talking to her tenants. I picked up the leather journal and the key from my desk and flipped through the pages. What could this be? A client list? What kind? I stopped at one of the pages. On the first line were the letters L-M-X-O-X-A-T-K-K-B-L-H-F. It had to be someone's name, but whose? It could take hours to decipher, but if it gave me a link to Anna Maria's killer, it'd be worth it. My cell phone buzzed. It was Carlotta. I answered, and she was immediately hysterical. Oh my god, Fitz, you've got to come back to the house, please. Come quickly. Please. 